There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Before we get started with this episode of Benched with Bubba, let me talk to you about Superdraft. It's a fun way to play daily fantasy sports, multiplier format, unlike anything you've seen. It's tons and tons of fun. You play who you want because there's no price tags. The risk is up to you. So go check it out online, superdraft.io, in your app store under Superdraft. Use promo code Bubba when you make your first deposit of $10 or more for a free $10 deposit bonus. So go to Superdraft in your app store, promo code Bubba, get you started on that one. Also, if you have a rating review on iTunes, I'd much appreciate it. It would help the podcast out a ton as we got a big 2020 coming your way. We're back to two fantasy baseball shows a week. So go check it out on your iTunes or wherever you listen to the podcast. Give a rating and review. Much appreciate it. But for now, welcome to Bench with Bubba, episode 231 with Mike Simeone, SP streamer, talking some recent fantasy baseball news and a handful of fantasy baseball pitchers, ADP comparisons, and much, much more. to another episode of Benched with Bubba, episode 231, talking some fantasy baseball, last episode of the 2019 year, as it is December 30th. We're going to talk some recent news and uh, discuss some pitchers. And in order to talk about pitchers, i got a special guest. You can find him on Twitter, at SPStreamer. Uh, he has his website, SPStreamer.com. He's on the Bases Loaded podcast. Had a few of those guys on the show recently. And uh, yeah, check them all out. Michael Simeone, how we doing, man? Good, man. Thanks for having me on. No, thank you for joining me. Uh, I mentioned your website and everything. Why don't you plug away and let everybody know what you they can find at your website and your podcast? Yeah, so uh, I run an account called SP Streamer. I basically just focus on pitching, and uh, you, during the season, I pick a streamer or two every day, basically. And you could find uh, my website's spstreamer.com. I basically do a little bit of everything, some deep dives. And as you mentioned, I'm on a podcast co- called uh, Bases Loaded with a couple other guys. And we basically just discuss everything baseball. 
Yep. No, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing to discuss everything baseball. Uh, it's a lot of fun, and that's why I wanted to get you on the show to chat it up a bit. And uh, let's get going on some recent news. I took uh, the last week off for holidays, so uh, we got quite a bit to talk about. Some relevant, some not. We'll start it off with Justin Smoke. People are wondering where he would go. He's a power bat, but uh, inconsistent at times. Those are the Brew Crew who didn't have a stable first baseman, and now they kind of do. It's an interesting move. Uh, they have him batting seventh or eighth on roster resource. There's still like Ryan Healy there and other factors. What's this move do for you in a fantasy standpoint? How do you view Justin Smoke with the Brewers? Yeah, I I like him a lot. I although I do every year, <laughs> uh, but <laughs> unfortunately he never you know he hasn't reached the potential that we thought he has yet. But I feel like you're you're looking at at least 20 home runs. He's really good OBP wise. Uh, last year's a little unlucky with his slugging and. I actually saw you posted on Twitter, which was awesome, the, his uh, spray chart with the new stadium. And it looked like he could be seeing a couple more home runs this year. Yeah, definitely. I did his last three years because he's kind of been inconsistent with playing time. but And it was kind of surprising to me in the sense that Toronto is a very hitter-friendly ballpark. But uh, you look at Miller Park, which we know is very hitter-friendly as well, and he had a handful that could definitely uh, get up out of there. I'm with you. I'm always a big fan of Smoke. You look at like his hard hits and all the – the stat cast things you want to see in bright red, it's always there. It's just like he's always underperformed. Like his ex batting average, his ex slug, ex woba. There's always more to come with Justin Smoke. He just doesn't do it for some reason. Uh, maybe the shift to Milwaukee will help. And he's basically free in drafts right now. That's why I was tweeting stuff out. He's like almost picked 600. He's 550 to 600 in the NFBC. So lots of things to like there. If you're looking Justin Smoke's ways late in drafts, draft champions type things, little flyer here and there. Corey Dickerson signs with the Miami Marlins. See, Dick, this is a fun one because the talent's always been there with Dickerson. It's mainly been health more than anything. He's not even 31 yet. He goes to Miami where he's going to play every day. Interesting ballpark, obviously, but, you know, he's a pretty good hitter when he's healthy. What's your take on see, Dick, going to the Miami? Yeah, I like it. I feel like you know what he's going to give you, and I always feel like he's a little undervalued, but I guess, like you said, that's probably because of the health. But I have to say, I kind of like what the Marlins are doing over there. I mean, they put together him, Villar, Aguilar, and plus they got some like sneaky good young pitch in there. So I feel like they could maybe be a little surprised this year. Yeah, the, the funny thing with the Marlins is they're making these moves. They're doing it cheap, which they have – well, I guess they don't have to do, but that's what they want to do. And it's all these players that if they play well, they can trade and keep building their team. So it, it is a very, very interesting thing the fish are doing now in Miami. Let's go to Toronto. And this was an interesting move. This is a pitcher that either people love him or they hate him. And people were wondering where Hunjin Ryu was going to land. You know, he had a really good year last year, but similar to Dickerson, health is always a concern with Hunjin. And, and he, for the most part, was healthy last season. Now he goes to the AL East. Now he goes to hitter-friendly Toronto. Very interesting spot here. What's your thoughts on Ryu in Toronto? Because, like I said, people love him or they hate him. You're not really in the middle too often on this guy. I was going to say, I'm actually weirdly in the middle here. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's, I, good. That's, I, that's good, though. I mean, he's good. He, he's obviously a crafty pitcher, and, you know, he's always been great, you know, ratio-wise, and he's always had a really good ERA. It's just, like you mentioned, the health. He's only eclipsed 100 innings twice in six years, so – He's got trouble staying on the mound. And, you know, Rio needs a good defense. And I feel like with the young guys behind him in that infield, you know, they're going to improve. And 
it might not hurt him as much as people think, but this was kind of, I don't know. I kind of saw this as a lateral move for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be a really interesting move because, you know, L.A. is a good ballpark for him to be in, but, you know, maybe he, I don't know, it's a better situation in Toronto, I guess, is the way I'm looking. It's hard to say because L.A. is always in contention. You know, these LA East, uh, AL East bangers to go with. But, yeah, I'm kind of with you. I don't see it really hurting him that much. It's not – I'd rather have him in L.A., don't get me wrong. Yeah, But I don't course. see it being, being the end of the world. Now, when you're looking at ADP right now, he's the 36th pitcher off the board according to NFPC, pick 105. Like, let's just have a would-you-rather debates here. Uh, two okay. pitchers before him, four picks earlier, Sonny Gray. Sonny Gray or Hunkton Ryu? Definitely Sonny Gray. Uh, one pick ahead of him, Mike Soroka or Hunkton Ryu? See, I would go Soroka. I, I kind of see them as the same type of pitcher almost, but – Rio's injury history makes him, mm. you know, puts him below for me. This one's fun because I, he's gone as high as 78, as low as 162. I have a feeling once spring training hits, this value is going to go up a ton. But right now he's going four picks after Ryu, the 37th pitcher off the board. Ryu or Carlos Carrasco? Yeah, I I agree. I think we got to see him in spring training, make sure he's healthy. But if everything looks good with Carrasco. I'm leaning Carrasco because I think he's got, mm-hmm. you know, he's got the the higher ceiling there, and he was so good a couple of years ago, and exactly. uh, you you can't miss that upside, especially if he looks good spring training. 100% agree. Carrasco's a guy in in DC's best balls. I'm trying to take advantage of this price while you can, because it's uh, right. yeah. I, I think the risk is worth the reward there. Last guy, he's going 11 picks after. He's the 38th starting pitcher off the board or pitcher off the board. Ryu. Or Mad Bum? Oh, man. That one's tough. <laughs> it is. Because, um, you know, I don't want to, like, cop out here, but I would kind of – it would depend on how my team is built for that. Because if I can if I can afford a pitcher who might only give me 150 quality innings, then I'm going Ryu. But if I need someone who I think can eat a lot of innings, I would probably go Bum Garner. No, that's totally, totally fair. It makes a lot of sense because, yeah, right, Rio, you know you're going to miss some time. That's just the way it's going to go. No sugarcoating that at all. Let's go to the Chicago White Sox. They've been wheeling and dealing all year. They, they picked up Yasmani Grandal early in the year. They traded for Nomar Mazzara. Uh, they've added some pitching with Dallas Keuchel, Gio Gonzalez and company. And they just added Edwin Encarnacion, which is a big boy bat to, to DH likely. First, we're going to start with this question. What's your thoughts on Edwin with the White Sox? Yeah, I mean, I think it's awesome. Uh, I don't know. So, Roster Resource has him in fifth right now. Mm-hmm. And I think – I like him because I think he can get a ton of RBIs in that lineup. And what the White Sox are doing is awesome. They're I think they're going to, without a doubt, be a contender this year. Uh, between their pitching and now their new lineup. And I think he keeps his value just because, like I say, he's behind, you know, some of those good younger guys and they're going to get on base and he's going to have plenty of opportunities to drive them in. Yeah, he's going to be just fine. I have a feeling the weird ripple effects of Edwin being there is it moves Eloy all the way down to sixth. That, you know, obviously not a complete deal breaker, but is going to take away a certain amount of by season's end. Uh, Jeff has done great work throughout the years on Fangrass explaining where you get in the order and how many less at bats by seasons in you get. It's a real, real good look for anybody that hasn't seen it. Go check it out. Search on Fangrass. Really cool article. 
the question I have now, everyone was excited with Grandal going to the White Sox, and I was one of them, because the idea was Grandal would catch, play first, DH with Abreu, DHing at times, and so on and so forth. Now with Edwin there, does this hinder Grandal at all to you? That's a good question. I I wouldn't be too worried. I I wouldn't. I don't think it would take a hit for his uh, his ADP or anything. And I think it's. I think they're gonna figure out how to get him in there regardless. And I mean, I could see them giving Edwin some days off too. And true, uh, true. I I mean, I think if anything, I mean, it kills McCann completely, right? Cause yes. I think McCann was gonna do some DHing for them, but yeah, I I wouldn't be worried about it at all. Yeah, it really hurts the candidate. Destroys Zach Collins. That was going to be a straight up, you know, we're going to DH and pray that you know he plays half the season. Big power bat, not much else. Yeah, that that is gone. He gone. So that one's not happening. The other White Sox move, I hinted at it. They signed Dallas Keuchel. That became official today. Uh, it's an interesting move. We saw him. You know, he waited last year, which the Braves pitched very well. We know Keuchel's more of a pitch-to-contact guy than we'd like most of the time, and that can get risky in Chicago. Then again, he gets to face the Royals and the Tigers, and the Indians aren't going to be as good. (laughs) There's goods and bads with this. What's your thoughts on Keuchel going to Chicago? Yeah, I've never been a big fan of him, and I think he's going to be – I mean, it's going to be good. I think he's going to replicate what he did last year, essentially. I mean, he still has a good change-up slider combo, and, you know, like you said, he – he has a really high ground ball rate. His fastball produces like over 70% ground ball rate. So um, I think they have, you know, they, they got a decent defense behind him. And I, I don't think, uh, I don't think it hurts him in any way or betters him really either. Uh, so I just think it's kind of a lateral move for him as well. I agree. It's kind of lateral, but let's talk value here because I'm not going to ask. There's a couple guys that are getting drafted around him, which we're going to talk about later. So we're going to get your takes on that later. I know they're kind of sleepers of yours. I'm mm-hmm. not going to bring them up yet, but a couple names. You know, Keiko's the 108th pitcher off the board, which is a pick 280-ish. Like, that's, a, that's late. Yeah, um, that's late. Two pitchers ahead of him, eight picks before him, Cole Hamels or Dallas Keiko? <laughs> that one's tough for me because yeah. Hamels, you know, has that lethal changeup, and I, I still think he can eat a lot of innings too, and – they're so they're neck and neck for me. I I, yep. I would probably I would probably still lean Hamels. I lean Hamels because I think there's more strikeout upside, right. and that that's that's something that I, I I strive for. I know a lot of guys do. When I'm pitching picking pitchers, it's hard for me to pick a dead a dead stat basically because they yeah. only have so many. They're not getting saves, so it's like you're already getting screwed there. <laughs> Let's not take another one out of the realm, and um, that makes it tough with Keiko. Uh, Keiko or Dakota Hudson. Keiko all the way. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you there. That one surprised me. This one's a little more interesting because it's a guy I can't quit until he gets Tommy John surgery. Dallas Keiko or Garrett Richards? Yeah, Richards has that upside too. Uh, yep, in San I would, Diego. <laughs> I know. You know, I think I would just go with Keiko because I know Richards pitched a little last year, which is always great and something you want to see if they end the year on the mound. It's kind of better. But – He's so injury risk beyond, yep. you know, and I just would, I don't think I'd take that chance. I think I got to see what he has in him for a year and then decide on him from there. And you'd imagine he's going to be limited on his innings also. So yeah, that's definitely. Gonna be another one. Uh, a couple, two more. They're kind of farther back. I guess nine picks later. Uh, you got Keiko or you got Aaron Savali. 
So Savali's interesting because he he's so good at creating weak contact and he definitely has upside. And I you like what the Indians always do with their staff. I think Keuchel is safer is a safer pick. I think I would still go Keuchel here. I'm with you. And the last one, there's actually a lot of really interesting ones here to compare with Keuchel. I could probably do this for the rest of the podcast. But we'll <laughs> stick with this last one here because it's like the glob of his pitchers. Yeah, he's going, it's so big. He's going about 20 picks after Keuchel, give or take. And he's a guy that's always near and dear to my heart. Me and Toby, bat flip crazy, laugh about him all the time because he reels us in and then he gets up like six home runs in a game. Ronaldo Lopez. I have a feeling you're going to say him. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's like, when he's on, he's so good. But when I he's know, off, it's like, boom, I know. Boom, boom. And, and it's his and teammate his, now. His, his velocity just, it, it skyrockets at In times. It's the half. weirdest yeah. thing. It, sometimes it goes up by four ticks, which makes no sense. It's crazy. Um, I, I got to go Keigel Steeler. Better yeah. track record. You just don't know where you're going with Ronaldo. I feel like he's just the type of pitcher that you're going to have to ride while he's hot. And yep. I think he's going to almost have to, you know, he. I'm hoping maybe Giolito could help him get the help he got and fix him. <laughs> that but, would be uh, outstanding. Yeah, but I we, I got to stick with Keuchel still. All right, we'll move on because, like I said, there's a lot of pitchers that are kind of like Steven Matz or Dallas Keuchel. They're almost the same pitcher. Uh, it, it's very, very interesting. But uh, let's go to the New York Mets. You know, Edwin Diaz, rough year last year. But you look at all his peripheral numbers, they look really good, like bounce back as possible. But the Mets go out and sign Dylan Batances, who had a rocky year as well. What's your thoughts on Batances with the Mets, and how does that make you feel about Edwin Diaz going into draft day? So, I don't know if you know this, but I'm a Mets fan. I did not know that, so this gets even more interesting to me. So, I'm a Mets fan, and (laughs) this got me very excited, obviously, because I've as a Mets fan, I feel like this is either going to, our bullpen's either going to be amazing or it's going to be terrible, but I know it's going to be terrible because we're the Mets. But <laughs> uh, as for fantasy purposes, it's, I don't know. It's, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with him. Cause they still have Lugo too. And then you got Diaz yeah. and I think Diaz they're they're because of the trade that they made, they're without a doubt going to leave him closer as long as he performs. And if he doesn't, it'll be very interesting because I feel like they could go with Lugo and and Batanzas from time to time and get some uh, saves in there maybe. But I I don't know. I I don't think it really like boosts his stock for me or anything, and it doesn't really make me bring Diaz down at all. Just because um, I mean everyone the Mets sign is pretty terrible and <laughs> so whenever people bring up Mets people on a podcast I always tell them like it's so hard for me to think positive and it's just how we are and how we've learned to be a Mets fan so like I just feel like it's just gonna all go downhill <laughs> if, if, if it makes you feel any better I don't know if it will but every Mets fan I've ever talked like Joe Pisapia I've talked to many times uh, Matt Modica these guys are mm-hmm. diehard lifelong Mets fans and they almost hit the same tone you did immediately. And yeah, there, it's, the whole just... it's, it's like it is it is the quote unquote Mets fan is what it, <laughs> it sounds like. Yeah, it's uh, it's rough life. It's a rough life. <laughs> yeah, there was one podcast we piece of pia and I somehow went down the Mets rabbit hole and we're talking about Lasting's Millage. So that just tells you everything you need to know. Oh jeez. <laughs> yeah, but we, I won't make you do that. Um, let's go to the Arizona Diamondbacks. They signed Cole Calhoun. Like Cole Calhoun's another one of those guys that. Not flashy in any respect, but at the end of the season, usually helps your team out compared to where you drafted them most of the time. And last year had a yeah. big power season. 
he's going to Arizona, going to play every day most likely, going about pick 353. What's your thoughts on Cole Calhoun? Yeah, like you said, I think he provides value. He's not a flashy player, and I feel feel like everyone just kind of always forgets about him. <laughs> and, yep. I mean, he upped his barrel percentage last year and his launch angle, and, you know, maybe that power's finally coming through a little bit. I don't know, though. I'm kind of a little still skeptical. But where he's being drafted, like you said, I, I think he provides value, and, you know, might as well take a shot in late in drafts. Most definitely. Uh, let's go to a move that I think was really quiet, at least quieter than it should have been, because I've always been a Cesar Hernandez fan. I love that he's leading off of the Phillies. Somehow it didn't yes. work out there. Now he goes to Cleveland, and he's going to get every day at bats. Right now they got him projected to hit sixth. I wouldn't be shocked yes. if maybe he finds his way up the order a little bit. This is a guy you're getting, like, he's not getting drafted in a lot of leagues. What's your takes on Hernandez? Because he can give you a little bit of everything. Yeah, I think he's got a good floor. And uh, he's just going to give you a little bit of everything. Like you said, right now, they have him at the six. I'd be if he somehow climbs, climbs the lead off, then is, you know, he's going to give you a lot of value where he's being uh, drafted right now. Um, I think he should, you know, he kind of needs to elevate the ball a little more. Maybe that'll give him some more power. But, yeah, I think he just, you know, he, he hits every category a little bit. And I think to take him where he's going makes sense because if he does move up the lineup, then he's definitely going to, you know, you're going to profit off where you took him in the draft. Yeah. It'd be extreme value. If that takes place, uh, I can't wait to get your take on this one because uh, people liked it. People didn't like it. The angels find a way to just grab these pictures that are ultra tilting. Like last year it was Cahill and Matt Harvey. This year they go and get Julio Tejeron. <laughs> yeah. Um It's like, we've seen Tejeron have great moments and then there's, Ronaldo Lopez thoughts. It's just, it's craziness with Julio Tejeron. I can't get behind it, but he's going on pick 350. He's going to be in Anaheim. They're going to score runs this year. Is this anything worth fantasy interest or just stay away, please? So I won't stay away from him. Um, I think the Angels did this because a lot of their pitching staff, their health, they have a lot of health concerns. True. And I think he's more of, he's, he's a pretty durable pitcher. So I think it was smart for them to sign him. I actually, I mean, he won't give you K's, which, you know, kind of hurts his value. But I think he's just going to kind of repeat what he's always been doing. It's either a very low four or sub four ERA. And he's one of those weird guys. If you really look at him, he always beats his metrics. His True. underlying numbers, he always beats them. I have no idea why, but <laughs> he always beats them. And I just think. I, I wouldn't mind taking him. I mean, I think he's going to give you innings and a decent, you know, some decent ratio. So, yeah, you're probably I'll probably get sucked back into him because like as you <laughs> as you talk it out, it makes sense because he does do that for a guy yeah. that does a DFS show five days a week and, and, and writes for it. You, you target Taylor on at times, but then he's, he goes through stretches where he's very, very good and he is, he'll surprise you. So you're on it there. A guy going right before him. Would you rather have Taylor on or gamble on John Means? Um, I would just say Teron because I like the team that he's on yeah. better. And, you know, the, you just don't want an Orioles player. <laughs> yeah. Teron or Pablo Lopez? I would go Pablo because of the upside. Teron or his teammate Dylan Bundy? Bundy always sucks, man, unfortunately. <laughs> yes, I, I'm with you there. I'm like, I, I was so giddy when he left Baltimore. I'm like, oh, I'm going to have all the Bundy shares. I'm going to cry. Yeah, yeah. And they, hey, the Angels like to throw sliders, and that's Bundy for you. Yep. 
Um, Tehran or Marco Gonzalez? I would go Tehran there. And last one, Tehran or a little cult favorite, Kyle Gibson? So that's tough. I That's where it depends what I need. Because yeah. Gibson's going to get you the Ks, but Gibson is clearly sacrificing ERA for strikeouts later on in his career. So it, it depends what you need. If I want ratios, I'm going Tehran. If I want Ks, I could go Gibson over him. All right, then I'm going to ask you this because I know we'll talk Griffin Canning later uh, when we yeah. talk some more specific pitchers. But just for fun, okay, you got Tehran, Heaney, Bundy, Canning, Sandoval, and Otani. So roster resource has six pitchers because obviously – Otani's not starting starting the year in the rotation. He's going to pitch once a week, so it's going to be some weird rotation deals. I know you like Candy. Like I said, we'll talk about him. We mentioned Bundy and Tehran. My biggest question, I guess, is we've seen what Patrick Sandoval can be, but how much do you trust him for fantasy with this messed up six-man possible rotation? Yeah, that's – I wonder if you think – you think they're just going to skip him when they pitch – well, no, they're just go six months. Yeah, I, I, I like Sandoval. I just, I, I would take him as like maybe like a last pick type of thing, like okay. just a random flyer, or if, or if that, I would just keep an eye on him on the waiver and just see mm-hmm. kind of what they do there because, like you said, I mean he's basically the low man, at, you know, the last guy yeah. there, and I just, I don't know. Madden does weird things too. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a weird um, one. He's he's someone that he's he's a wait and see for me. Yeah, I guess that's basically what happened when they brought Tehran over. It was like, okay, is it Canning? Is it Sandoval? Someone's getting squeezed here. It's and it's probably gonna be Sandoval. So uh, we'll have to wait and see there. The last bit of news we will talk about real quick: CJ Cron, who I love. No, no MLB team loves to have him for more than a year apparently, but I love him. Uh, he goes to Detroit. Jonathan Scope goes to Detroit. I'm more interested in CJ Crone, but what's your thoughts on these two guys real quick going to the Tigers, which not the greatest ballpark to hit in, but they're going to play every day. Yeah. I'm never been a fan of scope. I probably won't touch him, but I'm like you, I love CJ Crone and I was so happy that he signed there just because you know, he's going to get the playing time. I mean, he's got, he's, he's, yeah, he's got the elite barrel percentage. I mean, he's. I think he's going to be a great late power source for you to grab in drafts. Yeah, big fan of that. Uh, I know people have pointed out Detroit center field. I get it all. But, you know, if he just pulls the ball, big things coming. Big things for big CJ. Yes. Plus, he plays in other ballparks, too, people. Don't forget about that. So, <laughs> lots to like on that. All right, let's talk some more pitcher-specific, as you are the SP streamer. You do a lot of pitching work. You do other work, obviously, but you do a lot of pitching talk. And um, I asked you kind of some guys you're interested in, and then I saw your your sleepers article came out, and most of those guys are on this list. And, <laughs> yeah. um, so that works out perfectly. I always I always try to cater to what interests my guests. It makes for a better discussion. Um, so one guy that I am curious about because I streamed them from time to time last year. You look at the Houston Astros, and they, as good as they are, they still have Verlander, they have Granky, McCullers is coming back, who I'm just really intrigued by. But then the the other two arms, Jose Urquidy and then Rogelio Armenteros is who's in there right now. But Urquidy, Urquidy's a guy we saw a little bit last year. He had signs of really good stuff and signs of he's still very young and needs to work on things. What's your thoughts on Urquidy coming into this year? Because when you look at NFBC ADP, he's the 90th pitcher off the board about pick 232. Yeah, so I like him. I mean, first of all, 
he's on the Astros. They're just, you know, analytically, they're so good. They make everyone better there. So I, they obviously know what they're doing. So you can trust, you know, him maturing with that organization. Um, he has three decent pitches. He has two good breaking pitches, which I love. And he was actually, because I know they toyed with him a little bit. He did uh, pitch in the pen for at times. And he was actually better as a starter. I mean, he put up a 4-2-4 ERA, but his FIP and XFIP were better than that. He had a good K-walk percentage. I just like what he brings to the table. And going as the, what did you say? It was 90th pitcher, you said? I yeah, mean, 90th pitcher, 230. As long, of course, as long as he makes the rotation, which I think once they announce, I'm sure that'll go up. But I think as long as he makes the rotation, I mean, he's I don't see why he can't provide value. And I agree. You, you want that Houston stuff um, like Lance McCullers. I've loved all the videos I've seen. It, it's been great. And I know they're just videos. He's not facing live pitching or live hitting. I get it. But we also remember what Lance McCullers did before he got hurt and that he was a beast. So yeah. they can bring him back. And, you know, you got Rikidi, who when he came up last year, People were ecstatic about him because of what he had been doing. Like you mentioned, the pitch mix he had and everything. I think it's very interesting. I agree. I think once they kind of establish that he's in the rotation, we might see that value go up. I, I totally agree with you on that one. Yeah. Uh, let's go. To the, let's go back to the Miami Marlins. We talked about them with with C. Dick earlier and the moves they've been making on offense. They haven't had to do a lot on on their pitching side because they've got a lot of good young arms there. Uh, I hinted at Pablo Lopez earlier. They got Jose Urania coming back. Jordan Yamamoto showing signs of life last year. We can't forget Caleb Smith. He was freaking awesome at times. Mm -hmm. But Sandy Alcantara, he's penciled in as their number two. We saw him kind of slowly start out last year and then finish really strong. People forget big acquisition from St. Louis in the Ozuna deal. Uh, he was pretty much the main piece in that deal. High pitching prospect. He's going to really enter his second full season here. You like him. Tell us why. Yeah, so I like him a lot. He he has a power sinker, which is awesome. And I think it's, it hits over 95 miles an hour at times, which is crazy. And the best thing he did was he upped the usage of it the last two months of the season. And by doing so, he posted a 303 ERA and a 259 ERA. So I think he kind of figured something out there. Um, the only downside was I think lefties started hurting his, like, hitting the sinker really well, but I think he started to realize that and he kind of shied away from it. And that worked out too. I just see him making small adjustments, which I like. And I think I don't have his ADP in front of me, but I got it right here. He's uh, going pick, pick 266, the 102nd pitcher off the board. Yeah. He's going, he's going right behind Chris Archer. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously the, the wins probably will hold him back a little bit, but I mean, he produces a lot of weak contact and I think he just is smart and, you know, he was a really raw pitcher coming into last year and I like the way he's developing and I just, I think he's going to, you know, provide you great value where you're taking him this year. And see, it's funny. You look at some of these ADPs and like, I agree with the Alcantara takes. I like that. Some of the stuff you mentioned there, because, he, he was a different pitcher down the stretch there, and he really looked more complete, and he was actually pitching, not just throwing. So it, it was really, really good to see. And now you look at the, the, the drafts going on. I'm not going to ask you because we'll talk about him next. But, you know, he's right behind Chris Archer. I'd rather gamble on Alcantara, personally. Yeah. Um, and then he's going behind. Like, I said he's going to 266. 
At 260, you have Michael Kopech. We don't know when he's coming back. At 254, you have A.J. Puck, who I'm guessing is still on an innings limit. You have 253, yeah. you got Brendan McKay. At 248, you got <laughs> Dustin May. All these young arms oh my that gosh. we don't even know what their role is. I feel like a lot of people are obsessed with these young guys, and they yeah. just – they're being taken way too early, most of them. Yeah, it's crazy because they don't even have, like, jobs. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah right. You have no idea what's again. happening. Yeah, That's exactly. But I guess it's a draft champions. You take your gambles, see what happens. Yeah, so. it's draft and hold. So That's why I always tell people, once we get real online drafts, that's the ADP you want because exactly. that'll give you a feel for what's happening. Yeah, definitely. Uh, let's, talk, let's talk about the next guy. I didn't want to mention him in that ADP discussion right there because he's going four picks after Sandy Alcantara. He's pitcher 104 off the board. And that's Adrian Hauser. And this is a guy that had like a Hollister for an arm at times last year. And he's projected to be the second pitcher in the, in the Brew Crew rotation, which is always a question mark of what the rotation is. But Woodruff Hauser, they added Brett Anderson. They added Josh Lindblom. They got Eric Lauer. So they, they really tried to build it the best they could. Not always the best, but they tried. <laughs> yeah. um, what's your thoughts on Hauser? Because he showed some really good signs last season. Yeah, I like Hauser a lot. Obviously, um, <laughs> he, he's got two really good fastballs. His two seamer and four seamer are really good. And I always call him a Woodruff light because yeah, him and sure. Woodruff both have great fastballs. They both provide weak contact, but Woodruff has a higher, will strike out a lot more people than Hauser. So, I mean, I, that's why I like him. His, they, they got better as time went on to his fastballs and they create a lot of weak contact. He doesn't really have a third pitch, but that's why he's going where he's going, and that's why I think he, you know, he can still provide value where he's going. The only downside is the Brewers don't like to really let their pitchers go f- deep into yeah. games, which can be worrisome. And especially towards the end of the year, like playoff time, a lot of these pitchers were only going four innings. So that is a little, you know, with all their pitchers, though, I guess you got to have to mm-hmm. worry about that a little bit. But anyway, yeah, two dominant fastballs, creates weak contact. Uh, there's a lot to like about him. There's a ton to like, and, you know, they can always teach him a new pitch. And it, it is the Brewers Council's one of those guys that really believes in the analytics, the new wave. Like, he, he really makes a point that maybe they're not a good third time through the order guy, so on and so forth, and he sticks to it, which there's a lot to be said about that. Uh, for fantasy, it's tilting as heck. But uh, for winning baseball games, it makes sense because one thing I've critiqued the Brewers on year after year on my shows and other shows, whoever will listen to me, if <laughs> they have such good offense every year and they just put like mediocre pitching. I know. Around. It's so tilting. Like they've had offenses that should win championships. Yes, <laughs> and they 100%. Just, and they just don't put any money into their pitching and then they go and trade for three more bets. It just, I know. It's mind-boggling. Imagine so maybe, they got like two aces. Forget about it. I've been saying if I go, I, they should assign Cole Hamels or Keigel. I know they're not great, but it's better than what you put out there. Yeah. So um, it, it's really, really tough there. Uh, let's talk about another arm. This dude I'm a big fan of. I picked him up on the waiver wire last year. He helped me a ton in TGFBI. A uh, big part of this Atlanta Braves, you know, continued growth and playoff potential and AL East championship stuff. Um, we mentioned Soroka, Cole Hamels, Fulte, Newcomb. Max Fried slides in there as their SP4. Or actually, they have three guys as SP3 because they can't even make up their mind on who it is. <laughs> but Max Fried's yeah. an awesome, young, talented lefty. He had some hiccups towards the end of last year, but he's still big-time strikeout stuff. Uh, what are you looking for coming into 2020? Yeah, I I love him so much. <laughs> um, unfortunately, other people like him, so his ADP is like slowly mm-hmm. rising, and I mean we'll see where it ends up. But I he's so I 
you know what the best the best part about him is like you said he has strikeout potential but not only that that he allowed the weak contact he gives up is is ridiculous he was like top 10 in home run per nine barrel percentage and ground ball percentage so mm-hmm. not only striking out people but he's not laying up you know a lot of contact and when you could suppress home runs in 2019 i mean can you imagine if they fixed the ball like no one's going to be hitting home runs off this guy so i like him a lot he's got two good breaking balls a slide and his curve i like his curveball a lot it's like really pretty looking you know it goes <laughs> really, it's a good really it's a good it's got really a good loop going pitches. there yeah so i he's like my top sleeper if you could really call him that anymore because he keeps going up but yeah he's my top guy i like him a lot i like him a lot too if you were going into a draft and you know it's it's been the discussion on a lot of shows i know my buddy toby loves taking two pitchers out the gate and i get the reasoning to take pitchers early say you punt pitching or you get like one guy early are you good with Freed being an sp2 for you do you rather have him be an sp3 where do you want him slotting out in your rotation on your fantasy team yeah so I've actually done – I'm in the middle of a uh, DC draft right now, and he's actually my SP3, which okay. I'm okay with. Uh, I like him as an SP3. I took him in another draft as my SP3, too. I'm obviously trying to target him. But, yeah, I would say SP3. SP2 would probably be pushing it, okay. but, yeah. No, it's good because if he starts going up, it's like people got to start making a line in the sand eventually, and it, right. it doesn't it doesn't equate anymore. Now this guy, this guy, he's going <laughs> at um he's he's gone as high as 156, as low as 287, average ADP at 232, 89th pitcher off the board. The hype train is chug a lugging along, and it's only December 30th. I, I am terrified to see where he goes, like in late February, early March. I I think things are justified. Tell me why the hype train is so high on Mitch Keller. Yeah, so first of all, he was – I mean, it's a smaller sample size, but he is – he got very unlucky. He was almost, he was like Blake Snell level unlucky. He, is, oh, he had a he had a 7-1-3 ERA, but it came with a 3-1-9 FIP, a 3-7-8 Sierra, and his BABIP was 475. Oh, man. 475 BABIP. That's insane, man. <laughs> and his left on base percentage was low too. I think it was in the fifties. So, you know, the pro I think a lot of people are still scared of him because it is the pirates and I know they got a whole new coaching staff in. So we have to kind of see how they do. We have to hope they don't emphasize the fastball as much, but the best thing about Keller is a slider. It's elite. And like he had a 26.6 uh, swing strike percentage on it. So that's up there and it's almost like Corbin-esque level. I mean, again, it's a lot smaller sample, but it's very good. And if they emphasize him to throw it more, that'd be great. The only downfall with him is he does leave the slider in the middle sometimes. Mm -hmm. And when he leaves it, batters absolutely crush it. (laughs) Yeah, it's a hang me, me, bang me. So, yeah. So we got to see how he does with his commands and stuff. Um, That. I like him a lot and a lot of people like him. He, I think he's got a lot of work to do though. And again, like I said, we got to kind of see what that new staff does. So, but you know, you know, what's great about him though, is if you're in a, you know, obviously all of us, basically, if you're listening to this or you're in the, you know, the fantasy community on Twitter, like we all like analytics, but if I know I'm in a couple home leagues where 
probably three quarters of the league doesn't even like believe in analytics or even look at it. So <laughs> they're going to see Mitch Keller see a 70 or a, and they're going to yeah. run far away from him. So yep. that's the good thing. About yeah, you, you, you see the 232 ADP right now. You might get like 332. Mm-hmm. It'll, it'll be it'll be crazy. Let's have some fun with, with, with Keller here. We'll do some comparing because I love what I see. He's I don't want to call him Ronaldo Lopez, but he's that guy that you're going to have some phenomenal runs, and he's going to have the, the game where the slider's just not working, and it's going to be ugly in a right. hurry. Um, and that's just going to be part of drafting Mitch Keller. He's going to pick 232. Right ahead of him is Miles Mikolas. Keller or Mikolas? Keller. I'm with you. I'm, I just can't do Mikolas. People can. I can't do it. Just can't do it. Yeah, um, he's got he's to gotta change his pitch, pitch mix a little bit too, yeah. but just mostly because he doesn't get Ks. I mean, No Ks. Uh, All pitch to contact. Not yeah. good. Um, 12 picks earlier is a guy, another guy, no Ks. Like, I love his personality, his Twitter persona. I can't buy in on though. Keller or Marcus Stroman? Yeah, Keller. No doubt. This one's a little more fun because – he shows signs like they're they're a lot alike. They show these signs of life and the signs of just bumming you out. Mitch Keller at two thirty two or Joey Lacassi at two eighteen. I I would do Keller unless I really need someone who's I kind of know what I'm gonna get at because I feel like Lucchesi is just gonna get you a low four year right no matter what. I mean that's just I feel like that's kind of who he is. We're gonna keep climbing the ladder then, because you're, you're you're moving up here. So this is fun. This is like that uh, the hill climber game on Price is Right. Um, do you want Keller or at two seventeen Caleb Smith? I would go with Caleb Smith. Okay, we'll see if you can do a two for two now. Keller or at two fifteen his teammate Joe Musgrove. Joe Musgrove. Okay, so we found our yeah. limit. We found yeah. our limit. That's, but see, that's that's like almost fourteen. That's almost a full round. Like, you almost want a four-round yeah. difference. And you got to imagine, by the time, if we were to talk again at the end of February, let's just have fun. He's 232 right now. Does he top, does he break the, is he in the at least above 200? I, personally, for me, yes. Yeah. Because, uh, like, you look at, he got Lance McCullers, Luke Weaver, Andrew Heaney. I could see him in some of those conversations. Yes, right. Agree. So, that'll be real interesting coming around there uh, earlier we talked some uh, los angeles angels of anaheim rotation another name that is loud in the fantasy community right now and for good reasons like the dude was awesome at times last year one of the better rookie pitchers last season is griffin canning and right now he's going right behind marcus Stroma. i didn't bring him up in the debate because we will in a second here but he's picked 222 10 picks before mitch keller essentially a would you take canning or keller and b what is it you see in, in griffin canning so the Canyon over Keller, again, would kind of depend on my um, who I have just because – so Canyon has a higher injury risk. He had that issue with his elbow, and a lot of people think it's like a ticking time bomb. And it's definitely something to worry about, but Canyon is a better pitcher. The best thing about him is that he basically has four pitches. Mm-hmm. And when you're a young pitcher, you're – you know, it's – it's good work to have an arsenal like that because if one pitch isn't working, you still got three others. If two pitches aren't working, you still have the two the two other pitches too. So it's easier to get by when you have that kind of arsenal. And I mean, he had an above average swing strike percentage. Um, you know, all three of his pitches produced positive p valves. So I like his placement on this on his breakers too. I just 
I think if he can stay healthy, he can be very good. He can be very good. He's not asked to be the man. There's, there was times last year for the Angels they needed him to be the man. That's how bad things were in that rotation. Now he gets kind of hide as a third or fourth guy. Let Taylor on eat innings, like you said. Let Bundy do his thing. And then Canning can kind of come from behind and develop. And right. um, he could be sneaky nice. I'm with you there. He could be a fun one. But, again, it's fun. These names we're talking about here, if you're drafting now, gravy. If you're drafting in a couple months, this could be a whole other discussion. Yeah, So uh, we'll have to wait and see there. This next guy, I'm very excited to talk about him because <laughs> a a he used to live in a van and shave himself with a big like with big knife. That was cool. Um, if you haven't seen that, Google it. Um, I did not know that. <laughs> oh yeah, he was amazing. Like a buck knife. It was like, this dude was wild. But um, he was a part of the David Price trade. He has so many things to like, and then he gives up home run derby. We're talking <laughs> Daniel Norris. Like he's the third pitcher in Detroit. He's gonna be in that bad division. Again, showed signs of life at time last year. Like pretty good streaming, probably why you like him. Um, and he's going to pick six sixty-five. He's a two hundred and seventieth pitcher off the board, literally free. Yep. Talk to me about Daniel Norris. Yeah. So the main thing I noticed about him was, if you look, his third time through the lineup, which happens with a lot of players, is disastrous. He gets killed. And what they did with him last year is, I think he after. I don't know. I want to say like 10 starts or something, but towards the end of the year, they basically only let him go three innings. So, and he did fine, but so that's my one worry with him. And I think a lot of people are worried about, but I feel like they're going to stretch him out this year and they'll let him go five. And hopefully he could get through, you know, two times through the lineup without an issue. But I like, I mainly like him because he has two good breaking pitches. He's, he's got a good slider. He's got a good change up and his changeup is very good. It was over 70% ground ball percentage and 20% string strike percentage, which is awesome. So I was surprised when I saw him. I actually was doing this. I was trying to find guys I liked after 380p, and he popped in my head, and I looked into him, and I started liking him more and more and more. So he definitely, like you said, he's free. Um, if you want, leave him on the wire and see if they do start letting him go five and he starts showing some good outings and then pick him up right away. But I mean, six over 680p, I can go wrong. I agree. And he used to be like a big time prospect. That's why he's a part of the David Price deal. So the pedigree is there. It's just putting it all together. And that's just what he hasn't done yet. And that's what happens with some of these young guys who go on the wrong team. They don't work with you. So it's just tough to get it going. But he did show signs last year. Like, it's funny. I'm looking at this list while we're talking. And like I said, I do a DFS show five days a week. And so mm-hmm. many of these guys popped up as value plays, like all the time. Like if you want to punt pitching yeah. and roll the dice, like these guys were on there all the time. People would laugh at me and then it'd work like half the time. They'd be like, it's fun. <laughs> I but, guess, yeah. Uh, it, it's kind of how you do the, the daily streamers. It's kind of like they were the daily punt pitchers. It, it's, uh, it, yeah. They coincide quite a bit. And, and some like Daniel Norris, I recommended way more than I probably should have. Yeah. But um, he was there. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like I like a lot of these guys because, yeah. like you said, like I was picking streamers every day. So, like, they were all I knew. <laughs> yeah, that's why, that's why like, I, I can, like, relate. I can talk about these guys just by looking at their names and going, oh, yeah, I remember Hauser went through that run where he struck out a ton of guys. He was dirt yep. cheap. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> I, remember, I remember all this stuff. But uh, here's another one who was cheap at times, but he really – he had trouble getting it going. The hype train was big when he got called up last year. His fastball goes through the roof. Uh, control is an issue, but when he had yeah. his control on starts, he had his control. Dylan Cease was a monster, and we keep talking about this White Sox team. I'm with you. I think they contend this year. It could be really interesting. He's penciled in as the SP5. Obviously, 
Kopech's coming back at some time. I think they might just limit his innings and go bullpen. But for now, Cease number five, and he's going, and we'll do some ADP stuff. He's going kind of early. He's going to pick 286, maybe not too early. What do you got on Dylan Cease? Yeah, so, I mean, you pointed out his main flaw. I was going to say that, too. His control was all over the place last year, and he definitely has to, you know, get that uh, get that figured out, which is, you know, obviously easier said than done. But uh, I he did I, I remember he changed his pitch mix a little bit as the time as uh, the months went on. And I do think his you know, his home run per nine will come down. But he I mean, he had three pitchers give a zero barrel percentage in the last month. And it seemed like he kind of figured something out and wasn't giving up those those big hits. But and and I brought it up before, too. I mean, adding Grandal, maybe he could, you know, with the framing and maybe he could, you know, help cease locate you know, his fastball better and not leave it in the zone as much. Um, so he's he's someone that you kind of have to maybe keep an eye on. He's a little shot in the dark for me just because, like we said, the control's a big issue. So we got to kind of – I don't know if – do you know in the minors did he have control issues? Uh, give me two that? Give me two seconds. I got it right. I can just click one button, then it'll give me his whole page. So uh, I, I'm not sure if I, he did. I thought, let me see. Yeah, like you look at AAA last year, he had 4.2 walks per nine. He had 4.3 in the bigs. He had mm. 3.8, 3.5, 3.9. Yeah, he's had control issues. He's yeah. always had big strikeouts, uh, but the control right. issues have been there, yes. Okay. So, yeah, so, I mean, yeah. I guess we got to see what happens with that. Maybe, maybe he could just mature and maybe they could, you know, figure something out with him. I think a lot of it will be because I think it was Nick Pollock or Alex Fast, one of those two over there that do great work with pitching stuff. I remember they were tracking like one or two of his starts and they had the whole scatter plot and all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I want to say, I could be totally wrong. I want to say it was mainly his fastball. He's trying to locate it high and he was just all over the place. Yeah. And I have one of those in my notes. Yeah. I have like Lee fa- Lee's fastball in the zone. Yeah. I remember. I, I feel like his, uh, you know, it was like heat map. I think it's literally just yeah. in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I think I think the Grandall thing could be sneaky. I'm with you there. I think that could be right. a big thing. And and Kenny Williams, the GM of I believe the GM or the president of the White Sox, flat out said going into the season they wanted to get a better defensive catcher. Well, there isn't many better than Grandall. So that was a a good move for a young staff. Uh, it'll be fun to see. I think he's worth a, a good gamble there, especially where he's getting drafted. All right, the last guy I have down on the list, and I put him down because I know you've seen it. I know you retweeted it, and I've seen it. Chris Paddock. His name mm-hmm. is coming up in some threads these days. A lot and, for some reason. Yeah, and it's one of those things, like I've talked about him before, is I don't think I'll own him at his price tag, and we'll talk about guys yeah. around him. I, I think he's very good, but I think he's still young, and he's got to develop some more. We kind of saw as teams saw him more later in the season. He wasn't the same guy. I could be totally analyzing this wrong. I want to get your thoughts. What's your thoughts on Chris Paddock? And then we can kind of look at some of the guys he's going around. Yeah, I kind of agree with you. So like you, so he's a two pitch pitcher and, but his fastball changeup combo is amazing though. And the, the main issue I have with him is where he's going, which is I think 15 right now. 15th, 15th pitcher, 50 like second right. overall. Yeah. He's going early. So I would put him more so personally in the twenties, kind of with around glass now type, uh, just because, you know, he, 
it's not a large sample. It seemed like he got worn out or they were starting to figure him out a little bit, maybe. And sometimes he does leave his pitches, you know, in the middle of the zone. But he's definitely very good. <laughs> There's no doubt yeah. about it. And he's going to be great. And he's got to develop that third pitch. But right now, like you said, his draft price, I just can't be taking him. That's my biggest thing is I think I'm with you. He's very good. He's going to be very good. I have no fault. Any guy that right. rocks a black cowboy hat into the ballpark, like, <laughs> that's just, that just that's a swagger like no one's business. Like, I, I get it. The dude is a beast. Um, but, you know, 140 innings last year after his previous high was like 90. Right. Um, I'm not saying he's going to be worn down, but you'd have to imagine that's going to be a little tricky for him. Does he get to 180 this year? Because if that's the case, that could be an interesting discussion point. We just don't know what they're going to do because, to me, the Padres are still like a year away, maybe. And do you want to waste Paddock's bullets now, or do you want him to be that ace when you need him? That's kind right. of where my head's at, and that's the, the tough part for me with him. Um, you mentioned the glass now range. So when we're looking at Paddock, behind Paddock, you'd have Giolito over Paddock. Yes. Kershaw over Paddock. Yes. Severino over Paddock. Yes. Morton. Yes. Okay, so then it gets to Glass now. So you have, would you have Glass now over Paddock? I would have Glass now over Paddock. What about Granky? No. What about Darvish? Darvish is an interesting name. Uh, <laughs> man, that one's tough. Half, I think. <laughs> I think I wish I had my rankings up right now. I think I do have Darvish over him. I think Darvish is going to move up some more too. Um, a fun one here because he always just – you never know. Um, and well, This is actually going to hit home now. Noah Syndergaard. I have I, I think I have Paddock over Syndergaard. And then the last I, one I'll ask because we're getting in kind of that murky range now. Trevor Bauer or Paddock? I would go Paddock. And just for fun, just for shits and giggles, <laughs> what's your what's your take on Bauer? Like, you don't have to go super deep because you probably don't have notes on him or anything right now in front of you. Yeah. But what's your um, thoughts on Bauer? Because he just kind of blew up last year. I know he's so tough because he has he has the pitches to do it, but it's almost like I think he's maybe he's just too much of a head case. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. And you know what? What it is is it's kind of crazy if you really look at him. He's only had one good year. That's yeah. it. And, but the hope is, you know, with what the Reds are doing over there, maybe, you know, they can right the ship with him. He, he is to me, one of the toughest pitchers to figure out for this year. Yeah. You just, you want it because I think this is a make or break. If he doesn't do it this year, I am convinced he will, he's just a four year A guy. That's it. Yeah. No, that makes sense. That he's never going to reach. But if he goes under the, you know, if he has a great season, then I don't see why he couldn't continue it and, you know, have another great season in 2021. So He's one of those, like, NFBC uh, overall title type, TGFBI, not just like a small league, an overall league, because he's that guy that can be a, a, a top five pitcher or right. he's going to blow up and kill you. If he's a top five pitcher where you're drafting him at, well, now you just skyrocketed your rankings. So yeah. it's one of those tough ones. Like you mentioned, can the Reds fix him like they fin- fix Sonny Gray? It's going to be tough, but uh, that's interesting. And the last guy I'm going to ask you about, just for fun also, I talked about him on my last show because he got uh, traded to Texas. I like Corey Kluber. He was injured last year. I hit in the arm with the baseball, for crying out loud. 
but I get it. He's getting old. Uh, it, 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 it's, it's different. Just what's your thoughts on Kluber? Because he's going to a new ballpark. It's going to be more climate controlled. It's kind of interesting to me. Yeah. I mean, the main issue on worry is, that, is his fastball. He has no fastball. And, yeah. you know, a lot – he was he started off really bad last year, although he's kind of notoriously always started off slow. But I think I have him higher than most people. I mean, we can't forget what he did in 2018. I mean, he is so good. <laughs> and, yes. yeah, the, the age is definitely a little, you know, somewhat of a concern. But we've seen, you know, people like Verlander and them go, you know – perform at a high level at a, you know, later age. So I think I'm higher than most on it for him, but I I like him. I would take him and be okay with it. I mean, I would definitely, you know, support him later on with some, you know, higher floor, low riskier guys. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I don't see why he can't go back to form, you know, put up a, or put up a mid three year array and give you some value. Yeah. I'm like a Kluber. I'm with you. I share a lot of the same thoughts. Uh, like, you know, he's going five picks after Bauer. I think I'd almost rather gamble on Kluber. But what about you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I would gamble on, on Kluber over Bauer, yeah. This one might be a little more t- uh, different for you because I know your thoughts on this. Kluber or Woodruff? Uh, Kluber. Oh, yes. I love it. Um, <laughs> this one, I think, I think this is a big value. Kluber or Paxton? Um, what are their ADPs? Kluber's 89, Paxton's like 94. Hmm. See, I, I think Paxton is going too late. And I yeah, think so he do I. definitely has a lot of value. I feel like he kind of figured out Yankee Stadium a little bit. And yeah. I feel like in that stadium, you need like a solid year to pitch in there to kind of, you know, learn some tricks and, you know, some, you know, different ways to work around, you know, the short right field and all that. But um, I would go Kluber over Paxton, though. I like it. Well, I won't keep going on this, but this is why I love uh, looking at early ADPs. And you know, there's a lot of like pitching. It's weird this year. Like, I'll get you. I want to get your thoughts on this in a minute. But everyone wants their pitchers early, and I get it to an extent because these aces are like a, a level above everybody else. But you know, we're going down here. Pick 94s Barrios. Pick 101 Sunny Gray. You got Soroka, Carrasco. There's still a lot of good arms that are going, you know, around seven, eight in these 15 team leagues. How are you personally approaching pitching? I know also you like to stream, so you're comfortable with that. But how do you approach pitching in in a 15 team league, let's say? Yeah, so I've done two drafts. One draft I did where I didn't take a pitcher till the fifth round. And my current draft, I took a pitcher in the second round. I like the team a lot better than I took in the fifth round. Like you kind of pointed out, I feel like I don't know if it's just because it's what I'm constantly looking at. And maybe I'm just more comfortable with taking pitchers later and maybe it might work mm-hmm. against me. But I prefer to wait on pitching. I know um, Baffle Crazy loves doing the two aces. <laughs> yes. But we I talk about like... it almost every episode because <laughs> we're yeah. back and forth on that one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I just I feel like it. I feel like it pays off to get, you know, the better bats early on. And I think you could build a very good rotation later on still. I feel like pitching's deep. I really do. Well, I'm with you. Cause like, if you can, if you can wait till say round four, five, six or whatever, 
And if you can somehow, I know, it, and, and you're you're kind of playing with fire when you do this style because someone can snipe you. But like, you can go and get Darvish and Paxton, and then have three or four good bats ahead of that. I am a hundred percent okay with it. Yeah, so I'm trying to see one second. I want to bring up that draft, see what I ended up with. Because it is this glob down there that it's, it's riskier, but there's still a lot of talent. Like you got Carrasco, who I like a lot. There's a lot of interesting people. Yeah, so let's see. So I went, I took them, like I said, the fifth round, and I ended up with Corbin. I ended up with Corbin, Kluber, Freed, Paxton. Maeda oh, and wow. Mitch Keller and Mitch Keller. So and that's like, a 15 team league. That is, I don't think, uh, no, probably 12. It might be 12. Yeah. That's still, still awesome. So uh, yeah, it's, it's not here. It's still 11, the point. It might be. Yeah. Actually it weirdly looks like it was 13. <laughs> I don't know why, <laughs> but, um, yeah, still, I mean, like I will, t- I would take that rotation all day. <laughs> yeah. No, that's so, outstanding. I still, I still kind of, you know, again, and and doing it the other way now, where I took a picture early. I, th- I think I'm gonna keep waiting. Yeah, I'm gonna. I've done one best ball type draft, and I went pitching early. My next one, I'm definitely gonna go hitting early and and, and play the pitching game and see how it turns out. Because I usually don't take pitching early. Like I'm slowly getting into that groove, but it's hard for me to go heavy early. So we'll definitely see how it goes. But um, that'll wrap us up on episode 231. Before uh, we close her down, Mike, why don't you remind everybody where they can find you and all your work? Yeah, so you can find me on the podcast, Bases Lower Podcast. Uh, you could check out my website. It's spstreamer.com, and I'm on Twitter at spstreamer. Well, awesome, man. This was great to chat with you. Everybody go check him out on Twitter, as most of you already do, and uh, check out the good work he's got over there, streaming pictures for you and all that other good stuff. But until next time, this is Bench with Bubba, episode 231, talking some recent news and some fantasy baseball pictures with, with Michael Simeon, SP Streamer. Catch you guys later. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.